Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to QLS Classic, episode 47, with the great Spike Lee, August 2017. A side note, our guest today deserves credit, at least for inspiring the Suprema Roll Call theme song of our beloved show. Uh, besides that, Spike Lee is a provocateur, a visionary, a storyteller, a griot, uh, a hustler, a centric soul. This episode came slightly before his Oscar victory for Black Klansmen in 2019. But don't worry, we get it all out. All of his journeys, all of our favorite movies, we get to ask him everything. Right here on QLS Classic with the great Spike Lee. Be really awkward. <laughs> oh my god. Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. Suprema, su, su, Suprema He's roll laughing call. already. Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. Uh, so I'm just gonna sit here yeah. and have the gall. Yeah. And pray that Spike don't sue me yeah. for stealing his song. Roll call. <laughs> Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. My name is Fonte. Yeah. Dropping these flows. Yeah. Because I <laughs> be smacking my hoes. <laughs> Sugar, yeah, the inside man, yeah, been with the roots, yeah, since the bamboozle band. Was yeah, boss Bill's teen hero, yeah, but directing skills, yeah, I had almost zero. Roll call, Suprema, Suprema, roll call, Suprema, Suprema, roll call. I want to let you know, yeah, I'm not just for show, yeah, even you let me go. Oh, god, yeah, give me love, love, love. 
My name is Spike. Yeah. With a nickname. Yeah. My mother said. Yeah. I was out of this world. <laughs> roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. Um. Yeah. One person clapping. Not just for sure. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I've missed. Either you let yeah, me go. Uh, really? That's your reference? Lo- yeah, what? That's School days. What? Oh, the okay. yeah, I know. A song written by the late but Raymond because, Jones. Because her timing, because well, she lighted yeah, 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 it up, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. It's hard to, you know. Okay, now I hear the song of mine. Hi, hi, everybody re- out there. I didn't recognize the song either. Thanks, <laughs> Thank you. That's great. And did you recognize a still? Oh, wait, before I even introduce you, <laughs> Spike Lee. Uh, he just did. What is the history behind uh, Shibuya Roll Call? Like, Barrett heard that at Morehouse. Oh, so that's... I didn't make that up. Yeah. Isn't it like a theater <laughs> warm-up? Like, like so we just ice, 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 baby. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> See, ours goes ding, ding, ding. Nah, just, going, just going to school at Morehouse, they had a roll call, and we just incorporated into a school days and do it again, did it again when he got game. So that was in school was days it was in school well? too. It was in school days. Because I first heard yeah, it and yeah. get on the bus. Get no, on the bus. It was on school days too. Which really? part? Yeah, I gotta watch it again. Yeah, I gotta watch it again. Yeah, the, ga- the gamites. The ga- the what? Really? Yeah. Oh, when they first get in, a, when they first come on and they walking yeah, down yeah. the yeah, the gamites. Oh, I gotta watch it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, the ladies and gentlemen. So three times. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> uh, this is another episode of Quest Love Supreme. Uh, introducing the fam. This is, uh, oh, damn, I really wish. Uh, Fontigolo. Uh, what up? Who who was the uh, the the bus driver of uh, Get on the Bus? <laughs> and um, uh, to my right, we have uh, Sugar Steve, who was one of the uh, the thugs um, in in Summer of Sam. That's what's up. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. Was what's, what's, your was last, actually, what's your last What's your last name? <laughs> no, at the end of the vowel. <laughs> <laughs> I was around back then, but it was, I didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, actually, actually, I have a similar last name to the guy who did do it. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, Berkowitz. Yeah, Berkowitz. Mm, uh, damn. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, Boss Bill to my left. Eat who, the sandwich. Oh, well, he was one of the cornermen on Do the Right Thing. I was going to ask to be Bob Regular from Girl Six. Bob Regular? No. Okay, <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> anyway, uh, and we have Laia. Uh, fresh from Crooklyn. Okay. Yes. Yes. Out of yes. She was a girl making out with with. Oh, oh Fonte was also in in Crooklyn. Y- y'all were making out with each other in, in the in the, the credits of the beginning. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> and the best of Rather than RuPaul. Never <laughs> <laughs> go back to Georgia. <laughs> Never go back. I ain't no puta. <laughs> <laughs> I keep my pussies clean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> ticky, no tacky. <laughs> Ladies I'll and never gentlemen. Never go back to Georgia. <laughs> Joe Cuba. Yes. Finally, uh, it's it's taken some time, but uh, I I will say that at least for me personally, and maybe I speak for most of the inhabitants of this room, that we we have the the director of 
our particular generation. Absolutely. With us right now. Thank you very much. Mr. Spike Sheldon Lee. Yes. New Yorker. God, yes. Film orator. <laughs> uh, political activist. And 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 great human being. How how are hey, you, sir? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. And we're in the Electric Lady Studios, so this is very historical. I'm, wait, did I'm glad Steve, somebody shouted him out? <laughs> did Steve pay you to say that? Yes. We. I've, I'm sorry. I, I've I've not been given Electric Lady their props. We're we're live in Studio A, where many a classic has been born. A lot um, of great spirits in here, where we absolutely. are right now. You can feel it. When yes. you walk in the door, you can feel the spirits. Well, Spike, I know when when Spike agreed to do this, he was like, "So it's like like forty five minutes." I was like, "No, ninety. And he was like, "All right, so an hour, right?" And I was like, "No, Spike, ninety. I tried to hint. I was like, "Well, in the Jimmy Jam episode, it was seven oh, no, hours." No, that's not the way to go in. And Spike was like, "Nah, motherfucker." <laughs> so I'm good. We have to. We long we go. Oh. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> you don't mean that. Don't, don't do it. You don't I mean, mean me, that. Let me lean back. All yeah, right. Get comfortable. So I'm I'm gonna because we're we, we have so much questions about your, your film. Three decades of work, body of work. Yes, for thirty years. Yeah. Um you were born where? In Atlanta, Georgia. In Atlanta, Georgia. Right. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought you were born in New York. No. Uh I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. My parents moved to Brooklyn. We moved to Crown Heights when I was like two years old. Moved from Crown Heights, doing the first black family, Cobble Hill. Wow. That's where all my Italian-American thing comes back. Because back then, Cobble Hill was a stone Italian-American. And then my mother says, time to pay the rent. So we bought a brownstone in Fort Greene for $45,000 mm. in 1968. <laughs> Wait, mm. how is that even possible? Wow. 1968. What was that yeah. like? Pre-gentrification. In fact, the realtors wouldn't even list Fort Greene. They would say downtown vicinity. Wow. So it's really been a trip to you know, grow up in Fort Greene, predominantly black and Puerto Rican. School's no good. Garbage never picked up. Cops aren't around. And those things aren't like that anymore with the change in the neighborhood. No, they are not. Garbage just cleaned up. Yeah. Public schools are great. And the cops or around. I was trying to explain to my New York daddy what Dumbo was today. He was like, "What? I don't, I don't know." Down under Manhattan Bridge. That's what they, is that what it is? Yeah. So under can you get, uh, for for the films that you've shot in Brooklyn. Brooklyn neighborhoods? How different are they now? Like the do the right thing block. Like what is that now? Is that like it's unattainable? It's gentrified. So no more black families. No more brown yeah, families. Yeah, but there. it's gentrified. I mean, do the right thing, which. Was shot in Bed Stuy, Do or Die, Bedford Stuyvesant. But the great thing about that, New York City, that block we shot on, we shot Do the Right Thing in one block the summer of 1988. Mm-hmm. That block has been renamed Do the Right Thing Way. And it's the first time a movie or song has ever been just named, after, named that. after that. So we, we take, and that's also where we have our, our Michael Jackson block parties too on that same block. It, so is that the block where I, where I visit the office and it's no the office is further down downtown. No, my office in Fort Greene. Yeah. Okay. So okay, that's not. Yeah. And the place where you, when I visited your first store, like back in '91, is that still up? That's, or? that's called uh, Chez Paulette. Okay. Oh, that's the new name of the block or the new name it's of the neighborhood? Like no, 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 that's, that's, that's a restaurant. Yeah. But my oh, okay. office is on South Ox, South, South Elliott. Okay. Where the restaurant is, is where 
the original Spikes joint was. Oh, okay. And, and I owned that building too. And so when we did Jungle Fever, that's where Halle Berry, we're going to put a plaque there where she stayed. Wow. Wait, that's the scene where... Oh, there's no scene in that's No, just that's just where, where she stayed where during she the filming. While she While she was shooting the film. Oh, yeah. damn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not where the Taj Mahal scene was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm right, sorry. Right. Wait a minute. Why the wake up? Ha- well, let's let's not forget Halle Berry's first film, too. Jungle Fever. Oh, wow. And did she really not shower for all those days and yeah, stuff? Yeah, here goes the story. Wait, 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 wait. Let's get to that. Oh, oh, no, oh. we can do it now. <laughs> she, Take a uh, look. Uh, Robbie Reed cast that film, and so she, she brought in... Halle Berry came in five times. Mm-hmm. And the role is Vivian, the $2 crack coat. And the first four times, she was just too fun. <laughs> so finally Sonny must have told her You can't come looking like this So she, I think she didn't bathe for a week And I didn't even recognize her She stepped in the room And that's how she got the part Wow Talking I, about I just did not see her Fine she was That's the as, opposite as, of the casting couch <laughs> right. I did not see her as, fine, as a billion to two dollar crack hole Wow She had an awesome She kick. showed us didn't she Yeah she did mm-hmm. So why I mean, at a time where um, where the seventies and the upward mobility, and you know, a mm-hmm. lot of our, you know, the the ways that black people express themselves creatively, uh-huh. usually through sports or singing. Right. Why did you choose visuals? Why did you choose? I mean, was it that you had a childhood experience where you saw like Gordon Park works and? No, it wasn't those, at all. I it, when people ask me that question a lot. And I just say, a film chose me. I grew up in a very artistic background. My mother taught at this great high school in Brooklyn Heights called St. Anne's. She taught black literature. My father's a great jazz musician, composer, Bill Lee. Mm-hmm. And I just grew up in a very artistic household. My mother had the, the vision, not that she, we were going to be artists, but she exposed us, just not just me, but all my siblings, to... The art, so she was dragging me to Broadway plays, museums, and I was, you know, and I didn't want to go. We went kicking and screaming, mm-hmm. but every single time we came home, we was we would thank her because that was that was fun. Well, you had you going to the museum, going to plays. Like my mother was the one that introduced me to Martin Scorsese. She took me to see Mean Streets. My father hated movies. I mean, <laughs> but my father loved sports, so my love of sports comes from my father, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. My love of, of movies comes from my mother. I was my mother's movie date. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask, how, how is one a film buff before the age of the remote control, the rewind button? Netflix. Uh, yeah, and just cable. Be- because and they stuff. had, you know, oh, wait, I forgot the word from, but you had th- theaters that showed old films. Just so there. even back in the 70s, they would still show. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was. But was it film noir? Like now in the weekends, I, I know 11 or 12 movie theaters in New York that will show I mean, it's not something like Get Hotter. So, and no, it's trendy no, no, and they stuff. They had it was the, the St. Mark, I forget the theaters, but there were certain theaters that's all they showed was old films. And that's the only where, I mean, this is really before VHS. Okay. So, you, I mean, unless you stayed up, you know, watch with the commercials on Channel 9 or Channel 11. you Older films. 
He went to these retrospective theaters. But was there film noir on the level of, like now, you know, I'll buy all the Criterion Collection right. stuff and watch the, you know, the, like what was that for you? Like what what was the director's commentary for you I mean, that but, really seduced you into... But, but it wasn't like that. I mean, I went to films, but I was not a film buff. I didn't want to be a filmmaker. I, mean, I wanted to play second base, second base for New York Mets. But genetics conspired against that. So. <laughs> you could have been a shortstop. Second baseman. I didn't have a strong oh, okay. enough arm for shortstop. Okay. But I only played softball. But but here here's the story, though. And I've said it many times, but maybe the audience hasn't heard it. I went to Morehouse because I had to go to Morehouse. My father and grandfather went to Morehouse. And my mother and grandma went to Spelman. Across wow, the street. Wow. So I'm third generation. I'm some educated Negroes. So my <laughs> father, my father was a freshman Morehouse. Dr. King was a senior Morehouse. And Dr. King's son, Martin King III, and I were classmates. We're in the class of 79 at Morehouse. Also with Jay Johnson used to be home head of home security. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? We were all class 79 at Morehouse. So my first two years at Morehouse, I was a D plus C minus student. <laughs> It wasn't because I wasn't smart. I just was not motivated. And right before it was time to go back to New York, back to Brooklyn, at the end of my sophomore year, my advisor told me that I had to choose a major. I said, why? And she said, because you've exhausted all the electives. <laughs> <laughs> so I came, this is, now this is this key. This is this historical because it's 20 years now. So I, this is a very important summer. 20 years ago, summer of 77. So I came back to New York, and New York City was broke. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get a job. Usually, you know, you get a job in the summer. But New York, New York City was broke. And there's a famous Daily News front page that said, Ford, this city dropped dead. Ford being President Ford. Mm-hmm. So I had nothing to do all summer. And I didn't want to, you know, sit and stoop and play stratomatic baseball, you know. And so I have a very good friend. Her name is Vieta Johnson. She was always smart. The top, three high, the top three public high schools in New York City are Stuyvesant, Bronx Science, Brooklyn Tech. And so if you take a test, depending on your grade, the tier is Stuyvesant's first, Bronx Science, then Brooklyn Tech. Brooklyn Tech is on the same block where, where across the street, direct across the street from Spike's joint down the block from my office now, 40 acres on the mule. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I went over to Vieta's house. She's always smart. And, and went to Stuyvesant. Went to Princeton undergrad, Harvard Med School. She always, we always, she always knew she was going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. So, so one day, and looking back on this, I understand it was not luck. It was a spirit. The spirit told me to go see Vieta that day. Because I wasn't doing it. I had shit to do. So I go see Vieta. She lived on, her, lived on Ashton Place where University Towers is right across the street from LIU where the field is. Mm-hmm. And so we're sitting in the living room. And there's a box in the corner. I say, what is that box? She said, that's Super 8 camera. You can have it. Whoa. And then I say, what's that other box? She says, stupid, that's the box. That's the, that's the cartridge for the Super 8 film, for the camera. She says, you know, I don't need this shit. I'm going to be, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is sister. She's, she's a doctor in Chicago now. So now I had something to do. So the entire summer of 1977, so I didn't have a job, I ran around New York City with 
the Super 8 camera. It was also one of the hottest summers on record. Right. That's why there was a blackout. When Con Edison fucked up, black folks, Puerto Ricans lost their mind. <laughs> looting like mother. Yeah, right. I was filming it. <laughs> really? <laughs> filmed the loot on 125th Street. Oh, wow. Filmed it on, filmed it on, on, on Fulton Street in Brooklyn. Also, 77 was the first summer disco. So all the DJs were hooking up their, 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 their wheels of steel and right. their to the turn to the and the turbo speakers, the street lamps. So I was filming on the block parties. The dance was a hustle. Also, oh, Reggie the, Jackson, the, the film from uh, and then off the wall documentary. Last hustle in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, that's where the footage comes from. So then we had this maniac called <laughs> psychopaths. <laughs> David Berkowitz, son of Steve. <laughs> so here's the thing that people forget about that summer. Black and Puerto Rican people were not scared of David Berkowitz because this is this is before gentrification. And the motherfucking David Berkowitz to come into Harlem, <laughs> to, come into, to come to South Bronx, no. to come to Bedside, no, do or he die, he would have been, <laughs> <out, yeah. laughs> been killed. Right, right. <laughs> and it's not, I'm not making fun of this because people lost loved lost, ones. Yeah. But the fact remains, pe- black people in Puerto Rico was not, we weren't worried about Son of Sam. So I had this footage, came back to school in the fall, and declared my major. Mass communications. But Morris didn't have that major. I took the class, took my majors across the street at Clark College. Uh-huh. Mass communications, film, TV, radio, print journalism. I, I forgot what the other thing is. And there's a teacher there. He's still teaching that day. His name is Professor Herb Eichelberger. Yes, Dr. Eichelberger. I went to Clark. You went to Clark? Yeah, yeah. Mm, radio, TV, film. Dr. Eichelberger was the Give it man. up. Give it up. He's still teaching. AUC, AU Center. Hell yeah. So he, Dr. Herb Eichelberger, who's still teaching there, he's the one that encouraged me to be a filmmaker. He's the one that, when I told him about this footage I had, I took the footage back to, to, to Atlanta. That's where Morris is, but I didn't know what I was going to do with it. Right. He encouraged me to make a documentary, and that documentary turned out to be Last Hustle in Brooklyn. And there are many times, so her, Dr. Eichelberg, we call him Dr. E, he had the key to the film lab. And two or three times a week, he would stay three or four hours so I could work on a film. He wasn't getting paid overtime either. Right. And it's been my, maybe you guys will experience this, but in my experience, I've talked to a lot of people, and everybody talks about that one teacher they had mm-hmm. that saw something in you. That you didn't see. That you didn't even see. Yeah. Wow. And Herb Eichelberg was, he, he, said, he said, you know what? I started to think about the, uh, all this stuff, then it came back to me full circle. My mother started, was taking me to movies. I remember my mother taking me east of Sunday to see motherfucking Bye Bye Birdie. Yeah. Oh, wow. And the opening, here's, no people know this, the opening credit sequence, A Do The, the right, right Thing, thing. comes from Bye Bye, Bye, Bye Birdie, Birdie with okay. Anne Margaret. That's what? where shit came from. Rosie <laughs> Perez comes from Anne Margaret? <laughs> I mean, where, yes, because she dances her ass off, though, Anne Margaret. She does. That's where it came from. Wow. So all these things that happened started to spring up again. But my mother, God bless her soul, if you saw Crooklyn, you know, you know my mother mm-hmm. died while I was at sophomore Morehouse. All these things she planted, you know, bore fruit many, many years later. But I did not grow up wanting to be a filmmaker. 
That just didn't happen. Yo, speaking of circles, I just want to mention real quick, in a strange circle, by the time I went to Clark, I believe Bill Nunn was a teacher at Clark Atlanta. I just wanted yes, to mention late- that. Right? He rest, rest in peace. Yeah. Right. Right. So Bill Nunn and Sam Jackson, the Morehouse men, mm-hmm. but they had graduated before me, but they were still in Atlanta doing local theater. And uh-huh. that's where I met them. They were so, a couple years ahead of me. So can I ask, yeah. what is, I mean, now, in, in my mind, like Atlanta culture became cool mid to late 80s especially with music migration and people coming down there right but what was atlanta like like were you rolling your eyes up in the air like was anything cooler than new york like nah we, new york we, was the coolest the and thing, then no. when you went here's down a, south was thing, it like ah no. uh, and i can speak with authority if you went if you were from new york and you went down south all those motherfuckers were Bamas. Horny has Bamas. And we were very arrogant. Right. And I can understand now they hated us. Absolutely. They, so that hate, com- that they confer- hated people from New York. <laughs> that confrontation scene at the KFC in school days was like a real, that was typical of. <laughs> well, that really was a New York thing. That's more like local, college local students. College. Yeah. Yeah. The local yokels versus the. Right. the but that's it, real too that's about Atlanta yeah, But here's the thing though, because. The AU Center is right. Food. It's called and, and they call it the buttermilk the buttermilk bottom. So like a, even USC is in the hood, right? Yale's in the all hood. All the black colleges in the black. Colleges no, I'm talking about, but you oh, just, Southern Cal is in the hood. Yeah, yeah. Yale's definitely in the hood. Yale's in the hood. So you had these oasis in Columbia before they brought up brought up all motherfucking Harlem. Mm-hmm. Not so hot either. <laughs> these real so estate motherfuckers they're trying you know they're trying to change the name of Malcolm X Boulevard to Reed Avenue what nah Google that's right it happened in DC already our Malcolm X turned to Meridian Hill really wow. they changed the name yeah it's Meridian Hill Malcolm X Park nope Meridian Hill actually uh, our, our the the I lived on Osage in, Avenue in, in, Philly? in West Philly mm-hmm. yeah our, our Malcolm X Park just changed to we, we are now called uh Walnut Oak Lane. Oh, Did you know that? I did not I'm not know even that. West Philly now. It's it's They changed the name. Walnut Lane. That shit ain't happening. I'm sorry. In Harlem. They want to change it back to Reed Avenue. Yeah. Fuck, fuck that. Mm, it's like anything possible in gentrification land. That's crazy. I'm sorry, but that That's crazy. But that's 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 really the, the origin of how I became a filmmaker. Wow, so the camera just basically just fell right in your lap. But that was him. That was. Do you still have that camera? No. Where's that camera? I don't know. Spike, <laughs> man. I don't know. That's. But I tell you this though. But here's the thing, though. It's Smithsonian. I say yeah, Smithsonian. It's... Do I have to pay for it? There's a new museum in Philly. Yeah. But, yeah. but here's the thing, though. Did you say if I don't think, I think that was ordained, because I don't think it was a mistake. That that day, I just decided to go see Vieta. And that day, the Super 8 camera was just sitting there in the corner. That, and handed you the career. Say it again? And handed you your career. My life. You know what? Side note, on a, on a parallel tip, now that I'm thinking about it, Spike Lee is also responsible for The Roots because our story is it's very similar, where after my... Uh, audition at the new school and at Juilliard and Tariq yeah. came up with me to New York for the weekend on our my train ride home back on 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 uh, SEPTA from Jersey to back to Philly 
a girl walked up and thought that I was chocolate, the the bucket drummer. Yeah. In that Levi's commercials you did. Yeah. Oh, wow. She <laughs> thought I was chocolate. <laughs> but it's only because. It's fly button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, but it's only because I, I did Boys to Men's Motown Philly video, and ah, our hair was sort of similar. Yeah. So may, I knew she meant, are you the drummer in the Motown Philly video? But she's like, oh, you're in that Spike Lee commercial, right? And so we were, like, laughing, like, yo, man, like, because... That's that summer, like fame just started a little taste of it. Like people started recognizing, you know. So me and Tariq were like, "Oh, this, this is kind of cool." But <laughs> it was the next day when we were watching Soul Train and the commercial came on, and it just hit us like Eureka. Like we looked at each other, like, "Yo, wait, why don't we do that? Like, let's do that in Philly." And instantly, we got the buckets and, and like the roots as you know it was born that way. But at off when the strength you, of that commercial. When your Levi's commercial came on, it was like, yo, we need to do that. And then we, four hours later, we're on South Street busking. And then now I'm sitting here with Spike Lee, the wow. electric lady. Dope. So that's when, crazy. Well, let me get this in is that, you know, a lot of people, you know, they tell you whether they like your film or not. But more, the biggest compliments I ever get is when people of all generations say they went to a black school or they went to college because of school. Because of you. Oh, hell yeah. I mean... When people say that, there's nothing better. When they said, because of that film, motherfuckers weren't even thinking about going to school. Yeah. Didn't even know there was there were things of black colleges. And, and I'll be and honest, the, I'm, I'm, I, I didn't know the culture was that rich. Like seeing that, then I was like, oh, like it kind of set off a different world. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a. Uh, oh, that a problem. Not kind of simultaneous. Wait, was it a mistake that half the people that were in the right. same cast and director, oh, Robbie yeah, Ray? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because it was uh, a different world. First, that's how we knew it was Ron and, 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 Jazz, and Jasmine and, yeah. and no, Kadeem. No, we came out first. Oh, um, that's, that's what I meant. That's <laughs> so I she think just cast the same people. Here's the thing, though. You know, and I can't, I can't fault. Bill Cosby, I should have been on it. I should have, but I just had a different ideal about you know, stupid me. You know, Miles, TV. I'm not gonna do TV, and <laughs> he saw the ideal and he swooped in on it. Wow. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR 
wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Before we start your film career, how did you how did you gather the moss that will be your inner circle? Like, how did you meet Ernest Dickerson? Oh, how did you who get who's the, your starting five? Like, okay. besides Ernest Dickerson, did you have the same light people, the same set of? Like, Here we who, go. Who, who's the starting lineup? Well, after Morehouse, I still knew I did not have enough skills as a, to be a director, filmmaking, the grammar. Mm-hmm. The same way you put together a paragraph, whatever, this thing called film grammar. So I applied, I did my research, applied to the top three film schools in the United States of America. AFI, American Film Institute, USC, Southern Cal, the Trojans, and NYU. To get an AFI, USC, you had to get an astronomical score on the GRE. Mm. I took the GRE, and I did not get that astronomical score. <laughs> <laughs> but there were more forward-thinking, progressive people, thinking people at NYU... The grad film school think that what, you know, they understood the standardized testing could be biased. It has nothing to do with being a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to take a test, apply, always do submit, have an undergrad degree and submit your creative portfolio. I got in. Also, Ernest Dickerson got in. We were in the same class. Mm-hmm. We both from black schools. Ernest went, Ernest went to Howard. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Grew up in New Jersey. So right away we hit it. To Ernest, Ernest shot all my NYU, NYU grad film is three years. Mm-hmm. So he shot my second year film, my thesis film, Joe's Best Side Barbershop, which won the Student Academy Award. Mm-hmm. And, be, and, and because that film, this is key, Ernest shot Joe's Best Side Barbershop. And that's, that's, that film got him John Sales' film, Brother of Another Planet. Oh, with Joe oh. Morton. So. Oh. Yeah. So joint. what was great is because we always going to work together, but it was great that Ernest had already shot a feature before we did She's Gotta Have It. 
So he has more experience and knowledge. Yeah. Than so Ernest is the DP. My editor is Barry Brown. Barry gave my first job. He had a, he was owner of a, a, a independent distribution company called First Run Features. Mm-hmm. After I graduated NYU, where I was just cleaning films and stuff like that, he he, he cut it. My father, Billy's composer, uh, Win Thomas from right. Philly, mm-hmm. production designer, Ruth Carter, the great Ruth Carter, yeah, went went to, went to Hampton. Mm. Ruth Carter, Robbie Reed, and Ray Dowell, all were classmates, the same wow. class, really, in Hampton. Wow, man, I did not know that. Huh. Your network. HBCUs, okay. baby. HBCU network, yes. boo boo. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that that was for many years. That was the like, that was it. So Ernest shot features for me. She's gonna have it. School days, do the right thing, Mo Better, Jungle Fever, and Malcolm X was the last mm-hmm. film. Can I ask? Well, you? I just real quick. Okay. And Ernest came in to be a director. I was gonna say. He came in to, yeah, he came in the... to be a director, but his cinematography was so tight. <laughs> he knew that eventually he would become a director by being a DP. And so after Malcolm X, his first director of film was Juice, Juice with Tupac. Yeah, Juice, yeah. So I was and right s- now, Ernest is the top, one of the top episodic TV directors. He is. Wow. You see his and name everywhere. Everywhere. Who decides the 5149 of it? Like, I would assume that, you know, the president's the director and the vice president's the cinematographer and you, you got to be married to each other. So, I mean, how come you guys didn't have a thing like, okay, we'll do this project and then I'll do the cinematography and you do directing or that's... I was not a cinematographer. What's the difference between... Yeah, what is the difference between the DP and the director? DP has to photograph the movie. The DP and the cinematographer are the same thing. Okay. Yeah, right. That helps. But well, but but there's different there's totally two different some they are DP directors, but usually it is is two different skill sets. And Ernest's visual sense was so far advanced than mine that you know, when there was a question, you know, I'd say so what do you want to do. So when we're talking the Spike Lee shot, the idea of the Spike Lee shot, you the, dolly, the, the double dolly, dolly shot. shot. Mm-hmm. Well, not even that. I'm talking about first before the dolly shot. I'm thinking of a lot of your frames were diagonal. That was only in 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 uh, do the right thing. You had some abstract looking stuff, and it wasn't those were for she's got to have it. There was some abstract looking. Oh, I never thought of looking at someone. I definitely remember Tyler the first Flint. time you the cameras on the floor, more looking up, like making people taller. Just things I've never seen before. Well, like who decides whose we, idea is that? It depends. I mean, you, I, I mean, we. Usually back in early was Ernest's idea because his his visual sense was so much advanced in mine. Ernest, after he graduated, Ernest was an architecture major at Howard, and then he didn't come to NYU right away. He he was a medical photographer at the hospital. So I mean, wow. his visual sense was, was was that's why everybody wanted Ernest to shoot their films in NYU grad film. So was he the double dolly, or was that you? We both. There was a scene in Mo Better Blues where we had, first of all, we did not invent that shot. We just made it. Where'd you first see it? Or were like, okay, we got to do that. We did it, but it wasn't until later we we, We discovered. We we saw that people had been doing it. Oh. Well, to us. I think it was first when you were avoiding the the thugs in Mo Better. Yeah, I was. See, what was wrong about that shot, 
when you when you're on the double dollar, you really shouldn't move. But I was trying to. I didn't. We didn't know I that. Thought, I thought we didn't cool. know that. Yeah, I thought so it was I'm, yeah. trying yeah. Move, yeah. I'm trying to move like I'm walking. But. <laughs> oh, I got a real dumb question. Is there a? I'm sorry, I gotta ask. Is there a single dolly shot? Because you're saying are you saying that it's you're on one and then the, the camera's, camera's on, on one, or no? It's just a. It's a. It's one dolly. Okay. But the the. the Actress sitting on a dolly, so therefore we call it the double dolly. Shot. So you're sitting on a stool or a, okay, apple box, apple. Okay, but here's the thing though, Ernest and I would do it, but finally we had a, we had a, we had a conversation. We said, you know what, we're out of film school, so we gotta we got to uh, use this so this shot means something. So example, where it means something is when. The best use probably is Malcolm in Malcolm, Malcolm X. X. Yeah. As he's going to the Audubon Ballroom. And, and the reason why I did that, doing research for the film, I became very, I became very close with Dr. Betty Bass, Malcolm's widow, the mm-hmm. late, great Dr. Betty Bass. And she told me she felt that Malcolm knew he was going to be assassinated. We went to Audubon Ballroom that day, that he wanted to be a martyr. So mm. she, when she told me that, I said, well, how are we going to convey that? And then we said, we'll do that. The double dollar shot. Another example would be 25th Hour. Oh, mm. yeah. After yeah. Uh, the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman kisses Anna, what's her last name? Oh, Anna Packwood. Anna, Anna Packwood, right, yeah. Kisses, to, kisses a student in the right. woman's bathroom. And then it's like, oh shit, what I do? And that's when he's coming out the song, brah, Simanda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I was yeah. going to ask about that scene because that song is just too perfect for that, that whole scene. <laughs> it's too perfect. So, what's a, oh, another example, Denzel again, an inside man, where we see what we think is an offing of one of the hostages by Clive Owen's character. Mm-hmm. But it turns out, is fake, but Dent doesn't know it. So we want to. So right then and there, and he's he, fe- he feels that he's responsible mm-hmm. for this hospital being shot in the head because he had roughed up Clive Owen's character. So that's when we have him doing that too. Did use it a few times? At, uh, oh, Jungle, Jungle Fever. Fever. Yeah, yeah, where he would have a conversation. The girls with walking oh. down the street. Maybe me, 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 and Wesley. Yeah, that's when I, 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 I admit that I, I. Go ahead. I spilled the beans. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh yeah. To to right right. 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 But I told my wife. Uh. So, um, for she's got to have it. Did you? I mean, what's? How did you learn how to write a screenplay? Well, by reading screenplays. Hmm. I mean, we had NYU is a great film school, and so. That had teachers who would we would show the film. They would show you the film. They would give you the screenplay. So it's a great learning experience to read something and see how that's directed. How it translates. Yeah. How it translate. So that that's how uh, I uh, shot. She's gonna have it in twelve days. Really, July first to the fourteenth in, in the summer, nineteen eighty-five. Two six-day weeks. Wow. Like, I'm trying to do the math and the visuals in my head. <laughs> Sorry for making this a very slow interview, but in my head, I'm like, and you shot on time? 
We had to. We didn't have any more money. Well, I was going to say, did you Hollywood shuffle it? Did you just no, uh, no. here's my credit I card? Even, I didn't even have a credit card. <laughs> you didn't have credit. <laughs> I have a credit card. We, uh, we put that film, we really did it. We approached it in four stages. First stage was to shoot it. Mm-hmm. Second, this is film now. We shot Super 16. The second stage to get the film out the lab. <laughs> the third stage was crucial was me to have enough money to eat while I was because I edited the film. And uh, that was very crucial because I was hanging out with the chef. You know who the chef is? The chef. Chef Boardy. <laughs> 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 You got me. You got me. So, Ma, don't front. We've all eaten SpaghettiOs. Yes, Yes, we have. Ravioli, all that. That was crazy. You you going pre-ramen. So, wait. So, I, I recall one of my dad's business partners, like, when you first started coming on the scene. Right. Because there was buzz at the same time, almost simultaneously, about you and Whoopi's rise right. in New York with her one woman show and you uh. doing film. And I remember when I first ever heard of who you were, they were trying to describe the fact. Did you have to hustle T-shirts or socks or something? That, oh, I know what you're talking about. What What was the story behind that? Well, the, in the trailer for the film, it begins with me saying, tube socks, tube socks, $3, $5. You can Google it, Google it. When I'm selling, when I'm not selling tube socks, I'm a director. So maybe they okay, I'm thinking maybe they it was like, yeah, he funded it selling t-shirts and tube socks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see. Um, so before we get to school days, any Oh well, yeah, um with She's Gotta Have It, how did you cast those people? Like how what was that uh process like? We I put an ad in backstage and people send in headshots. And it was just off the headshots that you And you call them in. And the fine was Tracy Camilla Tracy Johns. Camilla Johns yeah. Yeah. And that was her in New Jack City, or is that an urban legend? No, that's that, her. That that was her. Okay, I, I, urban right. legends. Yeah. And then the Tom Walton nah, video. No, nah, that was, they were projecting, weren't they were projecting Scarface on her yeah. butt? Uh-huh. Well, she was, yeah. Yeah, she was dancing. Wig flowing. You went in, but a high price up. <laughs> Yeah. And you brought her back in. Well, we jumping way ahead. You brought her back in Red Hill Summer. Summer. Yeah. yeah. And also, she has a, a cameo in your Netflix version that she's got. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it was I'll on Instagram that. anyway. No. Yeah, it's true. Oh, okay. Uh, great. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is Flash, she still, Flash is, is in the. Well, I call him Flash from Five Harpies, but uh, yeah. what's his name? Um, Melvin. No, um, I knew you would knew. Are you going to say Melvin Lindsay? John Not Canada. Me. I hate John right Canada Terrell. John Canada Terrell. Yeah. How do you know this name, Fonte? I just. He lives in Philly, my, too. He lives in, I was about to say, he's yeah. from he's Philly. Philly. He's from Philly. I've I seen him once, and I think he <laughs> was doing funny. an adaptation Uh-oh. of both characters. <laughs> Like a one Green man play, and yeah, and whoever, Flash. Yes, of, of, of his five <laughs> and his, what? <laughs> Serious? Flash this was like Childs. fifteen years ago. He put both characters together as a one man show. It's it's. <laughs> Don't get me. It's like a retrospective of my history in okay. cinema. 
It's got to be oh. more. <laughs> Flash, it's lonely at the top. <laughs> <laughs> in stores in two weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I that's when I realized, like, oh, you live in Philly. Like, I, I it was like the summer of 94 or something, like, wow. right when the Roots first got started. And he's like, yeah, I'm doing a one-man show about, you know, my career and the experiences of, you know, that, that sort of thing, so. Um, was not long running. Huh? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was close after the first grand open and grand closing. <laughs> All right, school days. So many questions. Yeah. Can I get started on school days first? I have the first question on school days. Yes, go ahead. Predate school days by well. Okay. So after she's got to have it, right. um, Mars. Oh, I forgot the videos too. Well, yeah, that. So yes, a couple. Yeah. Um, when you were, I guess, finishing up uh, She's Gotta Have It, you were getting started on another movie called The Messenger? No, no, hold on, hold on. Uh-oh. That was Urban got, Legend? No. I got, got it backwards. Get, backwards. Okay. After I finished NYU. Oh, okay. In the summer, in, in May of 82, I tried to do a feature film called Messenger. We had, it was starring Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. Jean-Claude Esposito. Mm-hmm. I got involved with a friend of the family who said he was going to finance the film and uh, got all my classmates. We're going to shoot this this summer, this shoot this summer of 84. And the money never came. So I had to pull the plug. And my name was Mud, rightfully so. So I had to lay low. And I just said to myself, you know, I had three years of of being in graduate film NYU, so I should be able to do a film with two or three people speaking, and that turned into She's Gonna Have It. Okay. But it was a complete disaster. Did you ever try to revisit that project later nah, on? Nah, nah. Do you still have the screenplay? It's not really for... Uh, mm. Public consumption. Public consumption. Gotcha. I, mean, I just try to, like, it's an exit, it's a... Exercise it. Exercise. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. But but here's the thing, though. And here's a here's the thing. I, I said this the other the other day in London. I was I gave a speech there. There have been so many times in my life where I have one foot on the ground, and that one foot, that Spizike Air Jordan, mm-hmm. is on the corner, is on the ground, but the ground's on the cliff, and that next. The other foot is about to take that step, and as I've been, I've been, I've been blessed because so many times, if I've taken other step, mm. it'd been curtains. And if I if I had gotten the money for made that film, it, it I would not be here because I was not. I had st- people jumping off cars, off roofs. I mean, just crazy <laughs> shit. There's no way I could have done, and that'd have been the end of me. Really? So, it, it, so it's it, a blessing. It's, it's a blessing. A lot of times, though, we think about this. A lot of times, some shit happens, and you're like, oh, shit, this is fucked up. But in retrospect, you say, you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad that shit didn't work. Can we See? get an amen here? Amen. Wait, wait. This is how I think you can resurrect it. Similar to uh, Mario doing uh, badass, badass. Oh, <laughs> make a movie about, make a movie about, 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 about you trying to make this movie. <laughs> I think that's the movie, right? Good. Was this she got to have it? Was that the beginning of the Nike relationship? Somebody wanted me to ask you that. Yes. Uh, and how famous story? Two gentlemen who worked for Wyden Kennedy, still Nike's agency. Yeah. Yep. Jim Davenport, Will Bill Wyden. Uh, they in Portland, 
They saw the film. They got the idea of the pair. Michael Jordan, my character's Mars, called me up and said, we want to do this. We're shooting 35 million black and white. You play Mars. You could direct. But there's one thing. Michael Jordan doesn't know who the fuck you are. <laughs> He's never heard of a film, and he just signed a big deal with, with uh, Nike. And he said, so he has director's approval. And so Mike could have gone with Bob Giraldi, those big-time mm-hmm. commercial directors, Joe Picker. I mean, th- these guys are great. And it wasn't until the All-Star Game in Toronto, which is two years ago, I finally got enough courage to ask Mike. I said, money. <laughs> Why did you choose me? He said, you know what he said? He said, because you were wearing the sneakers. Uh, right. Really? That, that's where it started. So, so you had to meet him first in that? What? You, you had to meet him first and then... I mean, I mean I, he made the decision he was going to do it before I met him. But... They because still had, you had him on and... Yeah, but that's why he made that. That's why he decided to go with me and not Joe Picker or... He was rocking guys. them like you would be yeah. doing it if you wasn't meeting with him. That's so that crazy. Probably, yeah. You know what huh. it probably was? Mars to take off his Jordans. He was making love to Nola. That's what probably did. <laughs> 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 Mars. Bobby socks. Two socks. Two socks. Wait, I was about to say, yeah, you were rocking the threes by then. Yeah. Damn. I, no, those Jordan ones. Yeah. Yeah. 86? The threes, oh, were, the threes, the threes okay. would do the right thing. Do the right thing. You're right. The you're threes right. were bugging out. Yeah, I was going to say, how did you how did you arrange for the threes to make their debut in that film? Like I bought them. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they were out by then or just? Yeah, they were out. So we shot Do the Right Thing in summer 88. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah, okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where you keep them, Spike? What? All your shoes. All the Nikes. Jordans in the vault with the Oscar <laughs> <laughs> signed. Uh, oh, game war signed. Wow, wow. So, you, I know that you made uh, by this point after the movie, you also started making music videos, right? Um, you shot why did you shoot a video to White Lines when it wasn't a single? Oh, or... Ernst, Ernst, and I were in film school, okay. NYU videos were coming out, so we wanted. We did that. White lines video was on was on spec. So we. But took, did Sylvie Robinson commission you guys to no, do it? No, we did it on spec. Oh, and, and God rest <laughs> her soul. And Joe, what's it, Joe Robinson? Joe Robinson, yeah. right? But they were crooks. Well, yeah. that's so we So we do this video for White Lines starring Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. Give it to them. They say we don't want it. And then 10 years later, they put a compilation of videos. And it's on there. And it's on there. You even see the splice marks. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even finished. They put it on their compilation for sugar record videos. Wow. Once they realized who they had. Right, who they had, hands. yeah. Crooks. Yeah. What, was, what was it like shooting You're Miles Davis? That. <laughs> oh. Here's the thing. Uh oh. Yeah, Wait, what was the Miles Davis shoot for? Two two. two. You did two. Uh, yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that one. So here's the thing. The Miles BT used to run that joint. My, Miles knew my father. Oh. So okay. he didn't curse me out. He gave me. But everybody else, he could call you in a motherfucker in a second. <laughs> <laughs> 
but we were cool. He said, Spike, I know, I know your, your pops, you know, your father's cool, so I'll leave you alone. But it was just great, you know. I've been very lucky. Miles, Prince, Michael, Phyllis Hyman from, from uh, mm-hmm. School Days. School Days. But can we go back to Miles real quick? Yes. So when you saw Miles ahead... Um, <laughs> Come on, man. Okay, well, okay. So <laughs> were you ever inspired to... to What's there, the question? Can there ever be another Miles Davis movie after there has been one? And should there? That wasn't really a Miles Davis movie. I, yeah, I, it, I, it, I, here's the thing, though. I, look, I have, I have respect for Don Cheadle. Mm-hmm. And I just think that there's a thing called taking liberties. Right. But to event, I mean, he, he, he practically said himself he had to, Write write that story, get funding to get finance, and so uh, the uh, what's my man's name, the writer, what's the actor's name, Ewan McGregor. Yeah. That and the whole thing about his his masters being stolen that yeah. that never happened. Hmm. It never happened. I will say though, and, and, and then, can I just say this real quick? Yes, that's why. It it, it pains me because I worked on Jackie Robinson for three years. I worked on James Bond for two years. I wanted to do Ali, but you you can't do another film about Jackie Robinson. You can't do another film about James Brown. Mm. Because the uh, right the rights are gone. Oh, the, the, the oh. state sold the rights. Oh, legally you can't. They 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 locked it up so, so you can't come behind them. Really? So there's yeah, no, it's like no. double jeopardy, like film double jeopardy, like I mean there's multiple incredible hawks. There was the greatest but they and not there's real Ali. People. See, the thing is, though, I think you got very lucky. You got extremely lucky with Malcolm X. For starters, he had a short life. So, you know, him, him cutting his life, his life being cut in his 30s gives you just enough space to wiggle and really tell a meaty story, a three-hour story. But it's almost like in your, in your vision of James Brown, could you get from Augusta, Georgia, 1928, all the way. Could you even get to 1974 without really cutting corners? Because the thing is, okay, the the Miles thing with Don might have been a little spotty, but I at least like the fact that they just chose one story. I'd rather see a well put together story in the day of the life. Like, okay, you're going to yeah. tell a three month story about him recovering and. But but what you're talking about though, Quest, is that that's director's vision because for example the reason why I didn't get Jackie Robinson made because I wanted to tell this whole story and they just wanted the powers that be the gatekeepers just want to just want to do it on 1947 the year they broke the you know color the, the, yeah. the color line and I just think that the the, the, the the say that this one life I mean this one year how, how did he get there? You know, and, <laughs> right, then, right. and, and well, how, do we know? Do are we going to show that he, that he testified against Paul Robeson? Mm. You know Damn. that that yeah. he was a Republican. Damn, we yeah. missed. All, mm. I mean, you you leave all that stuff out. Yeah. But again, it's, it comes down to the director's vision. You know. So who you got to hurry up and swoop down on before somebody else grabs <laughs> the right? I don't yeah, because, think he's going to say that right now. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll oh, that was a mistake you already made with James Brown. Like, I was ready for Wesley to kill it. 
Like, damn. I really get... wanted I wanted Denzel to do it was an age where he could have played Jackie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And also I'd like to say something. Again, just all respect. You have how, a quote, how, man. How can Brother Man go from James Jackie Brown. Robinson? James Brown. Third good Marshall. Has anybody ever seen a picture of Third Good Marshall? Yeah, yeah, yes, that was that was that was that was hurtful. Yeah. Now, now. Wait, did, what did, am I missing? Did, did He's light skinned. Chad Bosman. Chad Bosman is playing yeah, Third Good Marshall. What? Yeah. Google. It's like an HBO movie or something. Google. It's, yeah, I think it came like out already. No, it's coming out. Oh, it's Nina Simone. So that not did we, did we not learn from Nina? Right. Yeah. Don't you even. Mm. That's ooh, ooh, ooh. So my brother, man, think of this. Jackie Robinson, <laughs> James Brown, now Thurgood Marshall. Hmm. He's play Mandela next. <laughs> no, it was already like five down. If anything, I would see, uh, what's his name from uh, Empire, Philly? Omari? Uh, no, not uh, no. Uh, uh, Terrence Howard. Terrence yeah. Howard. Uh, Empire. I'm I mean, power. if you would, yeah. yeah I mean, he already Mandela. got a conk. No, wait, no, wait. yeah. Who no, did, him as Thurgood Marshall. Thurgood was as, natural. With, yeah. the, with, the, with the conk. Didn't yeah. Thurgood wait. didn't have a conk. Who did uh, Mandela? That was his hair. Thank you. Jennifer Hudson. <laughs> Yo, it was yeah. That was Mandela. It was Terrence. Wait, <laughs> what? Terrence, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Terrence Howard and uh, Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. They had a. It, they were winning yeah. and Nelson main. Yeah, it was five called. Mandelas. Idris yeah. was Mandela. You wait, know, we gonna, what? Mandela? We gonna take care of apartheid, man. <laughs> so wait. So then that's the question. How can there be five Mandelas <laughs> wait but only one Jackie? Wait, was it's this a joke? Wait. No, no, dude, it's, it's on Netflix. It's real. It's it's Jennifer real. Hudson. Jennifer Hudson as Winnie. Does she have an accent? Yeah, yes. man. Yeah, if you want to call it that. And then, and Terrence Howard was Mandela. Mandela? <laughs> 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 Nigga, I got to play this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got no, it. That's a real question. How do you have five Mandelas yeah. and one Jackie Robinson or one James Brown? A statewide spike. How does that work? It comes, the state has the power. Okay. Like, here's the thing, though. You cannot do a film, a biopic about J- Jimi Hendrix and and drugs be in it. You're not gonna oh, you're not gonna get the music. Uh yeah, that's oh, the Andre Janey. You're not gonna the, the state will not give you the rights to J- to Jimi Hendrix music if you have drugs in the film. You're not gonna get it. So they just don't want a Jimmy movie done? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it was one done though. And that's been a couple well, done. It was the one with yeah, Wood Harris. That's it had right. no music and then it was in it. Like the Andre joint. Right. It had no music in it. Yes. Mm. Oh. That's well. So with uh, let's go to school there. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say um, with Prince' recent death, is that something that you've thought about, or do you want to say if you're out there, could even you know know who would kill it? Andre Holland. For me, from from wait, wait, Spike about the answer. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) documentary. Yes, I cannot. I I cannot do a feature film about Michael Jackson. I cannot. I cannot do a film about Prince. Isn't Especially, it's just too. First of all, it's it's too soon. Right, right. right. And then, who are you going to cast? Right. Who do you think? Uh, I think I think Andre Holland would kill it. Now, he was the, in. He was in. He was in that show, The Nick. He was also his first yes. Jackie his Robinson first, movie. His first movie was Miracle Saint Anna. Yeah, he was in Miracle Saint. Yeah, Anna. That's yeah. right. He was. Yep. He, no, he's serious. Yeah, Andre. I think Andre will buy he that shit. He is awesome, shit. and he got some suit coolers. Oh hell yeah! He can, you feel right? We call him PSS oh, as ladies. We'll talk about complexion, so, though. 
Right. Have, has he, has, I'm sorry. I, I, maybe he's I, maybe so too I'm dark. Okay. He's maybe too dark. I, can dark. I put this maybe out there? I'm old school. I, I think that we just can't discount our pigmentation. But wait a minute listen, now. Listen, Denzel listen. and Michael Max now. Hold they on now. Close. They were 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 close. Okay. They were close. All right. I'm putting this out there, Spike. Yes. I'm putting this out there. Um, I believe in my heart of hearts. And I told this to her. First time I told this to her, she laughed. Second time I told her, she's like, oh, okay. Now, I think she hears me. I believe there is an Oscar waiting for you and for Leslie Jones if you guys do a Nina Simone proper. I believe she is Nina Simone. You know what? I, I see it. I totally I see think it. She, I think she could pull it off. She She's got the attitude. is Nina Simone. Talk about putting on a spot. That's a... <laughs> Okay, but I think she could do it. That's it. You don't have to. You don't have to say nothing. I'm putting it out there, Spike. I believe that Leslie Jones, in the position she is in Hollywood right now, if the right screenplay and the right film, you you behind it, I believe you two can ride each other to Oscar very glory. She's very talented. I think. That I she think can. you two can ride each other to Oscar glory and get the proper Nina Simone story. But will out the there. estate allow it? Now I'm stuck on this estate shit. I mean, her <laughs> daughter's, de- oh, but her daughter doesn't run the estate. That's... We just made Spike do a movie he ain't even think about. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but the state they'll come on out. They didn't like uh, what's her name. Well, no. who did? Yeah, because yeah, so that's her daughter's not connected. Like the 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 caretaker had, you know, uh, her. That's what they. Okay, that was his story. He stole his story that happened to have Nina Simone. Especially in it. after uh, the documentary, it's like, come on, bitch. We. Watch. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. But, you know. Back, anyway, back back to Prince really quick. Has the estate been in contact with you? I guess they're looking for no. some, for somebody to do a the documentary. They, they have a the the footage from the, the, the eighty three First Avenue concert where they filmed or where they recorded uh, Purple I, Rain. I already told them. To, oh, okay. To, well, the audience hasn't heard this story, so no, no, no. I'm just talking to you as a <laughs> friend. Okay, okay. Like I begged them to, to go to Spike. Yeah. So the, the, the I've not the, heard from the state. Yeah, they're looking for somebody to do you a documentary will. around this footage that they have of this concert where they. Half of Purple Rain was recorded, so oh, wow. I think that would be perfect for you after the the Michael Jackson docs. So. Yes, I I would love to see it through your eyes. So yeah. just putting that out there too. And I want to thank you for being very helpful uh, with the with Off the Wall and uh, Bad Twenty Five. Talk, man, you're, you're one of my favorite storytellers. That's that's nah, but you got you got stories too, man. Look, oh, don't yeah. don't yeah. <laughs> and books though already. Hey Spike, I have some old footage from my bar mitzvah. I'd like you to edit. <laughs> Possibly put together some kind of a something for my family. Hey, give it to so, Spielberg. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> fire. We, we got another music video to talk about. What? Anita Baker. Which one? What's the one? Oh, from beginning to it. No, no, no. No one in the world. No one in the world. Because you're selling socks also in at the end of that video as well. Yeah, we shot that the world famous Apollo. Which will soon be called the Beaconer. Really? No, I'm Wait, just saying, just what? Just vacation. Just vacation. Don't play. Don't, don't play. 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 do what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. 
I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Spike. <laughs> yes. Turn her mic off. School days. Yes. <laughs> School now, days was my four years at Morehouse jam-packed into a homecoming weekend. Yes, it was. Yeah. Now, okay, I, I've probably watched all of your directed commentaries at least ten times each. Why? And <laughs> <laughs> That's what he did. Because, no. For our Spanish listeners, 4K. No, well, even, even the, the, the criterion do the right thing. Like, there's so, to, to me, that's better than college. And you know, no, I you spent, can learn. I I listen to directors' comments. I mean, you learn. There's, there's, you, yes. You for me, real quick. One of the most important things I ever learned. Kurosawa, the great Japanese mm-hmm. filmmaker Kurosawa, was in New York promoting Ron, and as journalists, I think it was the New York Times journalist asked him, Mister Mister Kurosawa, you're considered one of the greatest filmmakers ever, a master cinema. At your age, like 85, 86. Don't quote me. He said, what else can you learn in cinema? And Kurosawa said, there's still a universe of cinema for me to learn. When I read that shit, <laughs> I said, yeah. the minute you should not stop learning until you're dead. Right. That's what I learned. And also, Rashomon is really the uh, the foundation where she's going to have it came from. Rashomon? Oh, his film. This film. Okay. In that film, Rashomon... There's a rape and a murder, and several people witness it, tell their story, and left up to the audience to decide who's telling the truth. Well, she's going to have it. You have these three men 
who are in, who are sleeping though, and they're telling the audience, you know, what they think about her. So that's where that came from. Are your NYU classes similar to this, where you break down your filmography and you tell the the, the mostly the other genesis films. Of... Yeah, mostly other films. So I don't want to be just thinking about myself though. Okay. Okay. Now, okay, I gotta get school days casting. That's where you finally school days. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Now I just gotta jump to the scene. Now, when you were given the director's commentary, right, on the infamous uh, wannabe versus Jigaboo, well, the dance scene, the 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 fight, the Greek show, the Greek show, step show, step show. I mean, I was watching it frame by frame, and Mm. why did you keep the cameras running? Cause that shit was good. <laughs> well, tell everybody what happened. Okay, uh, so basically, the the the, the, the well, legend of the story. Let, let's Spike tell it. Okay, okay, so why did you decide to separate them? All right, was yeah. it really finances or did you have a mastermind that? No, let's this, this, <laughs> okay, this mastermind. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm too heated. School I, days. I'm like you. School yeah, days you was the first film a lot of people. Right, and we were gonna be shooting on location, and I really want to keep the friction. Between the two groups, the wannabes and the jigaboos, because they're young, their first film, I don't want to become too chummy. So I made sure that the wannabes got a better hotel <laughs> and the jigaboos got the less hotel. So right then and there, that's where friction. Friction. Did they know? Did they know? They didn't know that. So you they just... found out the thing. So, so the culmination of that friction happened during the Greek show, the step show. As the fellows are coming on stage, Brand from our, the great, great Brand from ourselves mm-hmm. grabs <laughs> Tisha Campbell's head and pushes it to his crotch. Oh, wow. Oh, that's what, that's what she's doing in the scene when she... So her head, okay. When the gamma saw that, mm-hmm. then it was on. So it was not supposed to be a fight. I said, Ernest, do not turn on that motherfucking camera. <laughs> <laughs> so at what point... Uh, keep rolling. Uh, keep rolling. At, keep rolling. At what point... Do you did, call cut? How long did that fight, right. that real-ass fight last until... Till we, till we ran out of like film. Like, was secure? Until <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> <laughs> the so we you ran out of film with a match. You didn't stop it? You no. We you weren't scared that they were like, I'm going fucking home. Nah. Or did you save it for last or... We... We did not cut the ca- we did not cut off the camera till the film ran out of the magazine. Wow! wow. Like, so there was where more. In the, where in the shooting schedule was that scene? Like t- in the middle? Yeah, it was in order. There was definite bad blood between the two groups. So at what point did you reveal? Like, ha ha! Okay, this is what I really did, guys. <laughs> Thank Never you. did. Why? <laughs> they still man. Wait, each other. I found out before they did. <laughs> I mean, they they got it regularly, but I didn't make a confession though. Did they buy it once they found out? Or they just felt like, oh, you being a cheap motherfucker and you like Jasmine Guy and nah, just gamble they just, more. Th- they just, it really, I mean, you're dark skinned. I mean, you grew up, I mean, you grew up with shit before you, you got, the, before you got cast in the film anyway. True that. You know, so we just want to play in this whole coloration thing. Did you write the uh, the chance? Your eyes are blue, but you ain't white. <laughs> nah, they did. Straight, cause you oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I think that was Tease and Jasmine that, 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 that did that. And the, the gamma, when I say gamma, you say punk, gamma, gamma, because you're right there. That was just how I was a fellas. Ah, wow. Wow. So you let them write their That was brand from Marcellus, I think. Wow. So they went to the side and was like, yo, this is what we going to do. 
Gamma, gamma, gamma. They worked on all their steps. They did that stuff themselves. Can't use some of them words no more. Did you come under budget or over budget? I mean, we under budget on that one. Well, dealing with Columbia, it was Columbia Pictures, right? So dealing with a real, what do you call it? Studio. A real studio. What was there? Because I definitely remember, like, all in Ebony and Jet, there was, like, you know, the, the, the campus. We disavow ourselves from Oh, this. that was Morehouse. <laughs> Disassociated. I went to Morehouse, and after two weeks, I'm a third-generation Morehouse man. After two weeks, we got kicked off campus. But Clark gave you love. Clark gave us love and Morris Brown. Spellman never oh. let us come on campus. Of course not. Wow. I'm surprised you're wow. not and, as bougie and, as you're not. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and Morris Brown, which is long, which closed. Rest mm-hmm. in peace. We shot there too. But uh, here's there's a, the president of Morehouse's name was uh, Howard Gloucester. And at the, I, I met with him at the kicked off campus, and he was mad at me. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Why'd you cast that man as a president of Mission College to play?" <laughs> Joe Seneca. Yeah, yeah Joe. Joe right. And he said, because Mission. he looks like a Sambo. Wow. 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 Motherfucker. Oh, and that's why he got a... the situation. They got it more. Never mind. No. So, <laughs> everything that we were depicting in the film was, that was happening while we were making it. <laughs> that's crazy. He called Joe Seneca a Sambo. Wow. Damn. That was a great actor. Yeah. Steve, you're laughing too hard. Yeah, I don't know what a Sambo is. It's just funny. <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> It's a trip to the Museum of African American History and Culture. I just it's time it's for a, a trip. It's a, any word that ends with bow is. <laughs> no, but you can't. You're in the nice company now, but you can't always. We should warn Steve. You can't always laugh at that word depending on who you're I with. I can laugh whatever I want. All right? Okay, oh, yeah, you'll just reap the yeah, repercussions right, of right, the Let's go. Yo, keep it moving. Shit, yeah. All right. I'll the just, EU. How did they get? She's trying to help you. There's a really good story online about Marcus. Talking about the struggle that it was to make the butt. Oh. Uh, yeah. Of which... Why was it... I guess... He, well, because the thing was... The, it was like the oral history of of, of of the butt. Yeah, that was a good article. <laughs> and I guess the EU guys were sort of like, well, you know, we're grateful for the single, but, you know, that wasn't real DC Go-Go, and we wanted to show... You know, with mm-hmm. and Mark was just like, well, you you guys just do twenty minute jams with really no structure, and you base it on other people's material. Hey, now, well, Mr. You Miller, from you from DC? Yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry. She's yeah. She's, DC. Nah, she's You're formerly Philly. known as Chocolate City, now Vanilla Swirl. Absolutely. <laughs> like Brooklyn. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. It's Butterscotch City. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> and Harlem. Yeah. And Brixton in London. Yeah. Around the world. So Not to be Inglewood. It, it has to be said that, you know, at least from a good four or five year films, like very iconic yeah, theme songs. Lead, lead, yeah, lead, lead soundtrack the story songs. of The Butt? Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. So, true story. The premiere of She's Gonna Have in D.C., and at the park was the 930 Club. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. And DC, excuse me, go, and, and EU was the band. Wow. wow. I never even heard of Go Go in my life. Really? And when I went there, I, was, I said, oh, shit. Yeah. And I was still, I was writing, she's going to have, I mean, I was writing school days at the mm-hmm. time. I said, yo, we got to put, e, we got to put EU in the movie. And so I knew Marcus through, Raymond Jones, mm-hmm. the late great Raymond Jones, and so crazy thing. 
I'm a big, I mean, there's the, the color scene and she's going to have is a homage to Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. So I said, we got to put this part, oh, Leo. <laughs> and then I go see Sign of the Times. He did <laughs> that, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you motherfucker prince. <laughs> <laughs> so you wanted because the song Sign to be based on. Sign of the Time right. came out the same time. Oh, <laughs> wow. In yeah. school days. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Bill You're right. Because I opted to see <laughs> Sign of the Times before my friend went to go to school days. I went to Sign of the Times, and we told each other about the film. Damn, that's crazy. I said, How do you think he must have liked Wizard of Oz too? Yeah, he. I mean, he's been doing that. He chance. did that twice though. Yeah, he's Another been doing song. that chance a, a, a What a other lot song did he do it? Um, I can't remember. No, nah, I mean it's going to be a beautiful night. Uh, is that? And uh, I mean he all throughout '86 he was. That was his call and response thing, like in concert, yeah. a lot. So he just captured it on. It's going to be a beautiful night. Yeah, yeah. Yo, two butt questions. Just, the butt. Um, number one, how long was that video shoot? Was it like one day? Okay, we shot that at Brooklyn Tech. Ah. And okay. did you know at the time? Because me and my girlfriend were literally just watching this video a couple weeks ago. We were like, Yo, we didn't even realize that they were holding up the red, black, and green yeah. flag. And it's to, all to this day, the most a lot of young people don't didn't even really know. I like. I invented that dance, the butt. <laughs> I did you tell them what the title should be? Yes, I had. I had. I said I want the song to be called the butt, and we got to dance. <laughs> Look, my mother's grave. I told Marcus the name of the song gotta be the butt, and we got to dance, and he did the rest. Wow. Spike the Sugar Lee. Bear. <laughs> Conceptualizing. They should have like that for the whole song now, though. If I was smart, I would have taken production. Right. A producer credit. But I was going to say, you know, everyone else did. Um, <laughs> and they didn't even write or produce. <laughs> so, and, and, and you play that party today, not still it still works. Still get still, down. Still it still works. Yeah. It still works. I, I have and a that came out in 88. I have a school day's question. Yes. yes. So I understand that there was a little tension between you and Tisha Campbell's mother. What? Oh, yeah. Did that ever get resolved? Yeah. Since or no, during the filming of School Days. Okay. Oh song? yeah, yeah. It was a uh, the song "Won't Be Long Tonight." Mm. We felt it should be the uh, whatever the group was called, but she said it had to be Teacher Campbell. No, the we Rays. said it should be the Rays. Yeah, yeah. And she said it should be Teacher Campbell and the Rays. So. Oh, that was her beef. I thought she's mad her daughter had to lick somebody's part. <laughs> so she wasn't mad at that. <laughs> it just... Hey, if, it, it, swear to God, if Tisha came and walked the room now, she would curse every time she... So I hate you, Spike. <laughs> Even today. I mean... This shit came out 88. Okay. Did she you his scout? No, that was, was, was it how you know that? Like, like, nah, I, that will was, say, I will say that... Oh, you, can I, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, second, well, I'll throw purpling away. Your love scenes in your film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but there's a reason why Tisha Campbell, she wouldn't do a sex scene. So that was the sexy she was going to get. So I had to come over, I had to think of something freaky. So I said, well, you got to lick the crease in his head. Tisha Campbell got. She would not do a love scene. So, so now you her got mother, that. Her mother did not want her to do it. So I said, all right. Then you got to lick the part in Big Brother of my teeth. Yeah. Yo, but Rachel that, made that, up for it. And that, and that, even, that even made it worse. I, I, I will tell you, though, that's 
like no, that's and freaking, iconic. Yeah, yeah that's the yeah. upside down Spider Man kiss for <laughs> black people. <laughs> that's, that's the ice on the nipples. It's the ice on the nipples. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God for the left nipple. Thank God for the right nipple. Oh, what about the kneecap? Thank God for the kneecaps. Thank God for kneecaps. Thank God for thighs. Again, that Rachel sex enough scene was also nice with Brick Mother on my team. It was beautiful. I just remember, oh, yeah, I remember yeah, it yeah. in that, my what? head. Yeah. The, what love scene? the one with Between Rachel. Dap and Rachel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder, uh, my man, Keith John. Keith John. Yes. Oh, man. The song, I Only Can Be Me. Yeah. Oh, that song right there. You know, Stevie's sang at, at my wedding, my wife and I. <gasps> really? As you, she walked out. I read the about aisle. that, yes. Sang Ribbon in the Sky. Oh, oh. Wow. We're still married, too. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Stevie. Stevie Wonder, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Riverside Church. <laughs> Boss violation. All right, no truth. We had another moment. Yeah, we, had, we had another moment. Now you brought Keith John back on uh, on do the right thing. The uh, why don't we try? Yeah, joint. Mm. I love that record. All right, let's let's move. To the, oh, maybe, do, maybe we'll get to six movies by the end of this interview. We should also note was that the first time Ozzy Davis was introduced into? Yes, Coach Odom. Okay, I just because Dennis. I want to yes. make sure I'm getting all the because the crew the, starts the accumulating. Yes, the, yeah. I'm certain we'll have a lot of regret, 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 oh, regret questions. questions. Man, come on, yeah. Why didn't we ask? Okay, do the right thing. Um, that's a perfect. First of all, uh, thank you, Spike, because okay, okay, I hate being that guy that can predict his own we, questions. We had the crystal ball in that film. Mm-hmm. We talked about global warming. I mean, yo, all that yo, stuff. I was going to say, I showed we that. Nose to da- motherfucking Nostradamus. For that movie. <laughs> yeah, I showed that uh, I showed that movie to my son, my 11-year-old. I sh- this was like mm-hmm. literally like a month ago. Because when that came out, I was, I think I'm the same age. I was like 10. Yeah, I was like 10 yeah, so nice he's 11. Too. So I was like, all right, I'm going to show you this movie. That movie, the th- and the thing I've always liked about all your stuff, I Thank saw you. him as a kid. And it's like, it's one thing, but seeing it as an adult Adult, has a completely different meaning. And I would say that Do the Right Thing is one movie where it is almost more relevant now than it was when it came out. And I mean, even like, and and the thing that I thought was so brilliant about it, even watching it, you know, now is like, it is a, because I I watched it and I made him write an essay and simple, the only question was. Summer homework? Yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It don't stop. And so the question was, you know, do you think Mookie did the right thing? Mm-hmm. And there is no right or wrong answer to that question. Like you could argue it a million different ways. And I will, so, to, to answer your question, though, thank you for showing your, your son at early age, at that age, the film. But no black person has ever asked me why the movie throw, throw the garbage can through the window. I th- Only white people have asked me. <laughs> Not one single black person has ever asked me. Why did Mookie throw the garbage can through the window? Because we get it. Because we are all Mookie. (laughs) Matter of fact, I still pay Bill, uh, still pay Steve that way. 100. Was this movie the first time that you had people in mind for characters or just still just. No, I had, I mean, the film Messenger, which. The debacle never happened. It was supposed to star Giancarlo and Fishburne. So, I mean, I knew I had to put him in a film you know, after the success of, of, of uh, She's Gotta Have It. Yeah, because I was thinking about Danny. Yeah, Fishburne turned on the role of Ray Rahim. He didn't want to do it. Wow. What? Oh, wow. He didn't want to do it. 
He said, no, I can't. Like, I'm shooting the King of New York. Or, no, like, no, I, just said, I, don't, I don't like I, it. I didn't like the role. Oh, Bill Nunn's size made it, like. Yeah, yeah he definitely, yeah. 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 Was, so, it, oh, was it true that uh, Danny Aiello didn't want to take pics with Chuck D for press? I never heard. Footage. Okay, I, I never heard, I've never heard, that, heard either. that either. I, I never. Didn't you originally write Aiello uh, for De Niro? I wanted Rob De Niro to do it, but he didn't want to do it. Wow, but it turned out. Yeah, I mean, it, was... it would have been. Here's the thing, though, with De Niro, one of the greatest actors ever. But would it kept it would have tipped the scale. Mm-hmm. Would have been a Robert De Niro movie instead of an right. ensemble piece. Right. So okay, for starters. As and I was saying that I I hate the fact that I I I can predict all these episodes of Questlove Supreme because I can't go an episode without mentioning Soul Train and my <laughs> and my knowledgeable uh, uh, wisdom of it. But you know, for the longest, I never knew what Rosie Perez's name was. Uh, wow! Because I mean, well, they you know, they don't give the names of the dancers. She, she yeah. I mean, she did a scramble board once, but you know, I I didn't realize that until like much later, like four or five years ago that, oh, there's Rosie Perez. So just for the longest, it was like me and my best friend in school was like our girl. Because even on Soul Train, she was a star. And it wasn't like going into puberty or whatever, like, oh, my God, who's this woman Dan? It's just that she stuck out literally. I got a, I got a story. More <laughs> than – so how did you discover – Famous Rosie story. Perez. There's two stories. Rosie's story. Yeah, I heard her. My, my story is a real one, Rosie. Yeah. So again, it comes back to school days. Okay. School days is a hit. Mm-hmm. Do uh, uh, the butt is number one song R and B. So I'm having a birthday party in L.A. I forgot. Funky. What's the name of that club? Funky something. Anyway. I'm older than you guys. Anyway, so. Funky Samba. I was like, not Steve. The club is called Funky Something. Right. And EU, we fly EU to LA for the party. Right. And so we had a butt contest, a butt dance contest, and this woman is on the speaker dancing. Rosie says that she was screaming, saying that this is sex or something else, but that she was dancing. Mm-hmm. She wasn't doing that stuff. <laughs> Rosie, this is the truth. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I'm, I tell security to get this lady off the speaker because she's going to fall and break her neck. Okay. So you bring her down, and she starts to curse me out. I've never heard this. Uh, 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 I knew she was Puerto Rican, but the way the, I mean, the way that I never heard anybody speak like that before in my motherfucking life. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so then I said, "Where are you from?" She says, "Brooklyn." So I'm from Brooklyn. So where are you from? I said, "What neighbor?" She says, "Fort Greene." I said, "I live in Fort Greene." And I was writing, do the right thing at the time. Right. And that moment, I said, "I'm gonna make Mookie's girlfriend Puerto Rican." Did, at that point, Thank did God you know, for the <laughs> left shoulder. <laughs> at that point, did you know you were going to play Mookie? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I knew, but I, I said, she has to be, I mean, I, she had to audition. Right, right. But I still knew that that she was going to be play Mookie's girlfriend, Tina. That's and, a real and story. And you knew that a star was born? 
I knew that <laughs> I knew that she was gonna be great in this role. I did not I could not predict for the nap. I knew that she would be great as as Mookie's girlfriend team. But at that point you didn't say like, oh, this is an Oscar caliber actress and I mean, she's, we, done, we, she's made we, a we name for herself we, we, in the... We never talk about Oscars. That's not the... I mean, You're we, right, don't, we so. don't talk about that yeah. stuff. Well, not that. But when you see new talent that... But I don't... And but, a lot of times, people's first films are yours. But I don't say, she's going to Oscar. I don't do that. So do you big. direct... Like, are you the director that will... You know, I know some... Uh, what's his name? Who directed Seven? And uh, David Fincher. David Fincher. So Fincher, especially on House of Cards, like his episode of House of Cards... He's been known to do 15, 16, 17 takes. No, no, no. Knowing that the last three are finally going to be what he wants. That 70, 70 80 takes. Mm. For you? No. No. For him. For him. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've heard that, yeah, he'll he'll spend 15 to 17 hours. First of all, I don't have, I never had the budget to, to do that. <laughs> we got to go. Okay. And it doesn't need, I mean. So you're saying that riot scene was shot in one shot? You, you had one shot to just. No, it was like two nights. We had, you had the riot, then you had, excuse me, then you had the, the when the, the fire trucks come and the war and stuff like that. So, so for something that tense, especially when you are with multiple cameras and that sort of thing, I know there's a moment where it's like, you know, fuck you, you motherfucker. Okay, cut. <laughs> and then Garner Carl, you know, like, okay, so everything's nice. And like, uh, do characters break? Now, I don't know if Garner Carl Esposito said that because of the. For who? What his name? <laughs> <laughs> what? Correct. Bugging out. Bugging out. Just say bugging right. out. Jean-Carlo. Teach me. Jean-Carlo. 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 Okay. Jean-Carlo Esposito. Take two. Fuck it. Keep it. My fault, Jean-Carlo. Jean-Carlo Esposito. So he mentioned. That during the filming, that him and Danny did some bonding because of, of their Italian connection. Yeah, talked to John each other Carlo, in Italian. Uh, his 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 father's Italian, right? And then there was Italian American. There was a scene. Well, during that scene, uh, where where the, the the radio gets beat, and finally, you know, like a baseball bat. Yeah, uh, I think initially Danny decided to curse him out in Italian, and said something. To Giancarlo, that really just infuriated him, and even when you yelled "cut," he was just like, "That, that ain't that." I never heard that story. What I would tell you is that there were certain words that people didn't want to say, mm-hmm. and so we had when when John the scene where Danny has the bat and the close up of him. Giancarlo and Bill Nunn were standing on the side of the camera and they were, you know, going exchanging. Mm-hmm. And when Giancarlo called him a, a fat guinea bastard, that's when Danny exploded. Oh, so it was Danny that was upset? He wasn't upset, but he just didn't like to be called a fat guinea bastard. And but the fact er- that it wasn't in the script. Oh, I mean, that just. That, that, you're off script by then. You just just go. <laughs> you know, oh just, just say the worst things you can say. So you have a lot of off script moments. So in your screenplays, it's just like, you know, we'll we'll improvise. No, curse, you don't write. Cuss imp- outs. No, you don't write improvise, but you know that comes. You do, in rehearsal, you start. You see where we can improvise there. So here's the thing, though. Not everybody can improvise. So you have to know who can do it, who can't. 
and you work on improvisation improvisation during the uh, uh, rehearsal and heated moments, people are going to get off script because it's, it's really emotional and you're not really worried about it. It's the exact, the exact words that are on that are scripted. But at the table, okay. So at the table read through, are they as heated as it will be no, on no, the? No, because I don't. I'm not, for my. But this, does that worry you? This, like, okay, this, this, this isn't as heated as me. I thought it was. This to be. me. I don't want acting at a at a read through. Okay. I just want to hear the words. Oh. I tell nobody act. Just read the words because. Except for auditions, where when you when you audition people, you're only getting you're, you're not auditioning the whole film. You just it's different scenes. So at the read through, is the first time you get to hear the words in its entirety. There's a, there's a strange phenomenon. Reading a script is not the same as actors saying the word. And so many times you might think that you wrote something that's good, but when an actor reads it's like, oh shit, I gotta change that. So during my read through. I'm rewriting. I'm like, I gotta keep up because, like, well, I'm crossing shit out. We gotta change. We gotta change that. We gotta change this. How good yeah. of an improv improv person was Robin Harris in those moments? Oh man, sweet Big Willie. Yes. <laughs> Here's the thing. Robin was at this. I forgot the name of the club. But Robbie Reed told me again. The casting director said, "You got to see this guy, Robin." In L.A. In L.A. Ah, so this club. I know that club. The club to go to the the. the to go to the bathroom, you had to go up the stairs next to the stage. Oh, <laughs> oh no, not this is going. <laughs> in the back of the club, Robin Harris had a guy with a spotlight. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so he was he would go like this, snap his fingers and point. And I was there one night. Robin Harris tore Mike Tyson apart. <laughs> wow. wow. This was Mike Tyson was Mike deep. Tyson, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you would rather piss in your pants. <laughs> you have to walk past Robin on the stage to go to the back. I mean, more better blues. I know we're jumping ahead. No, we no. I mean, shit. Even if you weren't working, if you were acting, you weren't working that day, mm-hmm. but you saw Robin Harris was on the call sheet, you, you, came will to come. Work. you will come. <laughs> you will come. You will be there. He would, I remember he told Denzel, he said, Denzel, your head looks like a question mark. <laughs> 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 I mean, woo. I figured that whole scene when they at the after party and he just fucking with everybody. He's like, shut the fuck, you know, that whole thing. I, was like, I mean, I mean, he, he, Oh man, he's, he's a, genius. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. a great, great loss. Better not catch a naked on pity. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all ad libs. Wow. Man, look. I mean, yeah. people like that, you just gotta let them go. Mm-hmm. That's like that's like Jordan. Get green light. Green light. So by this point, when you're established, um, are you putting pressure on Robbie to find you the next unused gym talent? Like, is she going to theaters? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't pressure because we always stash away a couple roles. But are they, you know, does does Martin Lawrence know, oh, there's an audition for Do the Right Thing, or is it like... Rob, Robbie found, Robbie, Do the Right Thing was Roy Perez's first film, Rom Harris' first film, Martin Lawrence's Martin, first film. Right. Rob, R- Robbie found me. I didn't know these people. I know, I mean, I found Rosie, but the other people I didn't know. 
Yo, so as you're building your actor squad, it seems like it's harder and harder to get to get for other actors to get in, right? Because like by now, you said you already had Giancarlo, you already had Bill Nunn, you already had uh, Ruby D, Ruby Ozzie, D, and Ozzy. This is your squad, yeah. like John Turturro. John oh, Turturro, can we yeah. talk about the Turturro relationship? Well, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> I was gonna go there. Like, how hard is it for your white actors to, especially especially in Jungle Fever, how they were at the soda shop, like. How and and I know about the controversy of Mo, Mo Better Blues with you portraying the the, the club owners. The club owner, yeah. Mo like, and Josh Flappers played by Nick and John Turturro. Yes. How like we get uh, make, write that down? Don't forget it. So I want to talk about that. Okay, go ahead. I got it. No, no. Well, that's the thing. It's like how do you convey to them what the character is without saying like, okay, well, you're going to be the the villain or you know, play it to the hilt or like, I mean, how do you... Here's the thing, though. The white actors that I've worked with are great human beings. These are people who are artists and understand that their history and, and they're cool playing it because it's not like we're making shit up. <laughs> but was there answer. ever any indifference to, or not indifference, or objections to, okay, well, you know, I... Who who? Where'd you find the what a waste guys? Uh, the two cops, the the, the cops that killed Radio yeah, Raheem, right, right. yeah. that in were also fever. in Jungle Fever. Well, well, one is Daniel's son. Which one? Oh uh, wow, the one is not Hispanic, the taller one. Okay. Oh, what a waste! That guy's the Hispanic. slender one. What's his name? I wish I knew it. Miguel Sandoval. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say Fonte. If you knew that name, <laughs> I will give you this whole show and just be the co-host. No, the taller one. Like the shortest reddish blonde hair. That's Daniel's son, Rick. He's the one that choked Radio Raheem. Yeah. Ah, man. But here's the thing, though, is that people dig my work. They understand it. And they're they're great parts. In fact, John Turturro used to say, man, you know, Spike, man, I don't know. When this, when the, before the film came out, I said, Spike, man, I ride the subway. <laughs> <laughs> and he would say, Spike, the, the brothers come up to me, give me that. They say, yo, 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 yo. So they, they love the turtle. Oh, we love the yeah. Yo, but, you messed it up so good. I don't know what they are. I was like, wait, are you Jewish? Are you Italian? Are you Spanish? <laughs> Their sister too. I eat it too. I'm like, I don't. But here's the thing though. When uh, Mo Better claim came out, I was accused of being anti-Semitic. Anti-Semitic, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jewish Defense League, uh, ADL. Mm-hmm. So my lawyer at the time, he told me, he says, Spike, this serious, this is this is the truth. He says, Spike, if you want to continue working in Hollywood, mm. you have to write an op-ed piece oh, God. for the New York Times saying why you're not Semitic. I know it's not fair. Wow. But if you want to continue to work in this industry. And I wrote it. You could Google it. Oh, I wish we had that kind of protection. That Google amazing. it. <laughs> I had, you know, he was Jewish. He died. Mm-hmm. But he said, Spike, you know, you're a great filmmaker. I care for you. But if you don't write this op-ed piece saying you're not anti-Semitic. Then you're done. You're done. Wow. Wait you're a done. minute. I'm forgetting the most important character in Do the Right Thing. Is the song "Fight the Power"? Uh, oh, yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm about to move on. <laughs> right. How did you? 
you know, like when you're growing up in the era and you just hear great music all the time, like you think like a cat like Prince will just, you know, eat, breathe and shit, great songs and hits. But now that I realize that it takes a craft and 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 really a steady hand to to do perfection. Getting I mean asking a group to give you an anthem. I mean that's some that's some hard ass shit to do. Right. And what's weird is that, and I guess in later years when I've heard outtakes from songs that didn't make Nation of Millions, and you know there's like five or six or seven other <clears throat> Public Enemy related joints that. <clears throat> where where can I hear those? <laughs> oh, where does he get his stuff? He's hearing shit like <laughs> right. I mean. <laughs> Look, man, by this point, everyone knows that I'm the student. Like, if I came off as a shysty guy that just, you know, leaked this shit online and, and bootlegged that shit, then no, no one would I mean, trust but me. But look, that's just a testament to... But to, people uh, know that I, I know, just generally want to know stuff. And, and, yeah, You're a so, student. You're a student of the music. I'll, I'll share with you, Bill. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Anyway, so the point is that when I heard the other songs, I was like, wow, like... Okay, so Public Enemy did have some misses. Greatest misses. <laughs> they, they had some misses with their with their hits, the songs that really resonated mm-hmm. and songs that were like, mm, okay, I'm glad they kept this off the record. Yeah, but you could do but, that with any record, can't you? Yeah, but I'm now I'm just saying that the, the 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 I mean, the likelihood of them having five major life-changing songs in a row is some rare shit. Right. And the fourth one of their, you know, of their of their canon being fight the power. What name the first? Yeah, well, the first three. Rebel without a pause to me. Bring the noise. Uh, don't believe the hype. Or uh, don't believe the hype was necessary. I, I feel Black like baseheads. I, I feel like yeah. baseheads okay. is just insane at the time that it came out. It was just unlike anything we ever heard before. Okay. Uh, then the fourth being fight the power, and the the last being uh, uh, welcome to the terror. Welcome to terror. Okay. So when. How many songs did they submit? Did they submit other songs that they just said, like, this is your song? Well, here's a story. Hit me. I knew I, I knew that I need an anthem because every, it's scripted. Every time Ray Rahim appears on screen, he's going to have a song blasted. Mm-hmm. So every time you see him, a song will be blasted, so the shit got to be hitting. And knowing the tone... I knew it had to be Public Enemy. So the first Fight the Power was the second submission. Aha! There we go. <laughs> Have we heard the first one? No, I don't, I don't even know. So you don't want to play it safe in the summer of 88? Like, and just be like, okay, Rebel Without a Pause, no, we'll just stick I, to this? Or I wanted a new song. And the first one wasn't hitting. Wasn't it. But it wasn't their fault because we didn't we didn't we weren't at a point where we could show them the film. Oh, okay. So So an earlier the jab, they saw a film and Yeah, then, they they didn't see anything. I just I just did had a script. I just sent it to Bill Stepney. Okay. Because Bill Stepney lived in Fort Green. So I called him up, got my bike, rolled four or five blocks, here's the script. Boom. He 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 knows that he remembers more of the story than anybody, Bill Stepney. So you just try to get him his 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 uh, okay. saying it, but but the second, but we got to a point where we could show him something, 
I don't know if we showed them a clip or the whole film, but once they saw that, Hank Shockley, them guys. Do you remember what your placer song was that you used? Your placeholder? Your placeholder song, yeah, that you used before you got their oh, song. Oh, you mean like, uh, what do you call it, tent music? Yeah. We didn't have it. Okay. We didn't have any tent music. Oh. Just act like. So, because I knew that there's a thing called temp love. Demo itis. Demo itis. Oh, that's what they call it in the music. Yes, yeah, yeah, oh, I hate yeah. demo itis, man. So I don't want I don't want to contaminate my ears. So I said, I, I mean, I I knew it was music, so I didn't have to fake it. When I heard "Fight the Power" for the first time, what was that like, man? I said, "Thank you, Jesus." Nineteen eighty nine. Because this this was the whole. It summed up the whole motherfucking movie. And you asked for none of that. You didn't ask for Elvis and John Wayne and none of that shit. Like, you just. No, I had nothing to do with that. Did you name the song and say, I need a song called Fight the Power? Or... No. They really? got that from the Isley Brothers. Ah. No, yeah. but I mean, like, so the like way you, that you said always, the part. I just, all I said was, I need an anthem. That's a tall order, Spike. And that's why I went to Public Enemy. <laughs> 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 yeah, they deliver it. Um okay. <laughs> the 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 pizzeria that burnt down the fire, which right. I assume that you burnt it down for real. Yes. How did y'all control that since you weren't on a studio like like what oh, yeah, yeah, the, what stopped them from spreading to Yeah, the fire department's there. Okay. And you got but the fire department that was in no, the film, no, were no, they no, the actual no, fire department? No, no, or were those no, actors? No, 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 <laughs> That's weird to okay, <laughs> but uh, that that song. I mean, sometimes I don't. Even, I can't even. It, can you imagine? Do the right thing without fight the power. No, not it's not never. It's, not, it's, it's not the same it's, movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's not the same movie. It's another character in the movie. Yeah. It's a fucked up movie. I mean, <laughs> but but the that it was a gift. It's a gift from God. That's that's all. I mean. You you should ask Chuck and those guys, you know, but their 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 version. Eventually, I'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, side note, um, Spike's film inspired "Do the Right Thing" inspired uh, the song that was originally the Roots uh, before Scott Storch gave it to his girlfriend, Little Kim. Oh, uh, oh, uh, lighters, lighters up. up. The song <laughs> that will eventually be "Lighters Up." Uh, wow. Well, when we got to the studio, um, "Do the Right Thing" was on television and. Uh, uh, Samuel Jackson was senior lad, senior love, senior daddy. love daddy, and he was doing roll call. And when I heard that drum beat at the top, uh-huh. I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna remake that shit." And so I remade it. Hey, and uh, it's my father. Oh, you father stole from that. his daddy. See Scott Storch. Anyway, I remade. We remade that joint, and Scott did the piano. And then here's here's the crazy shit. Tariq stayed by to, to write the first verse. This uh-huh. is going to be like the first thing off Tipping Point. Uh, and then Scott was like, uh, we're going to somebody's birthday party. I didn't realize it. That night is when I had dinner with O.J. Simpson. <laughs> 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 Long story of that night. Oh, wow. And that was the first time I the met first time, man. <laughs> <laughs> No, literally, we made that beat, and then we went to some friends of ours. Uh, gotcha. A birthday party and 
and OJ and Busta Rhymes and me and Scott Stewart sitting at the, <laughs> Yo, what the small fuck? kid small kids table at the Thanksgiving. Right. It was very yeah, <laughs> and we were like the four black people there, so we just sat at the small table. Not with counting OJ. Scott. He's like, Not all I got OJ. from that night was that he he said that um that you know the way that the rappers uh the way that Bob Dylan uh and and uh, was it Patty Smith um. You know, uh, champion Hurricane Carter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That us, we, us rappers need to get the fuck. Don't champion. finish that sentence. Champion. He ain't even come to the main man. Him. Him. Kick him. Oh, yes, Lord. man. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here. Get the. F- <laughs> A very surreal night. Anyway, thank you, Spike. <laughs> whoa, 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 ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed that encore presentation of Spike Lee's interview on QLS Classic. Uh, stay tuned for next go round when we. Ask him more questions about his history behind the camera. Spike Lee Part 2 coming up next. QLS Classic. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.